we are coming uh, tonight to wrap up this series that I've entitled The Ministry of the Baptist Deacon. And so I would ask you, if you would, to turn to 1 Timothy tonight, chapter 3, um, and that's where we will start, and then we will conclude in Acts chapter 6. These are two of the definitive chapters that deal with the ministry, the office of the deacon. One that we're turning to now in 1 Timothy 3, the deacon is named. Um, in Acts chapter 6, I believe the ministry is described. And so we've been for the last couple of weeks talking about the ministry of the deacon. We're doing that because here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be electing two deacons. Our deacons serve for three years at a time. So whoever you elect, you want to get stuck for three years with a good deacon. You want a biblical man in there. And so um, we're looking at this passage of scripture. I think it's instructional for us. Um, I'll tell you that I've never, I've never before had a series on the Baptist deacon. I've spoken about deacons before, but almost in passing. And yet the Bible has a lot to say about them. So we started uh, a couple of weeks ago. We started, first of all, talking in Acts chapter 6 for the reason. Why do we have deacons in a church? Why not just have the pastor? Why do we have the deacons in a church? We started with that thought, and we looked at Acts chapter 6, and we discovered that the need came about because the, the work of the ministry was overwhelming the apostles. The apostles were given to the church to preach the word and to have a strong ministry in prayer. But then the exponential growth of the church of Jerusalem put this demand on the, uh, on the past or the, the apostles at the time. And so they, they came up with, with this suggestion. The apostles said to the church, find yourself seven men of honest report that are full of the Holy Ghost, and they've got wisdom to them. And let those men handle these physical needs of the church so that we can give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So that's the reason for deacons. Last week, and we went a little long last week because the Bible's pretty detailed in this, we talked about the requirements of the deacon. We find those requirements again, initially listed in Acts chapter 6, but then it goes into a long list of requirements for the biblical deacon in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. And it also talked, we talked last week about the deacon's, uh, the deacon's wife. So you have these men who are to be high in moral character. They're to be spiritually minded men who are familiar with the word of God and able to take the word of God and use it effectively in their judgment as deacons. They were handling the original deacons there at Jerusalem's church. They were handling a lot of the church's finances. Do you remember it wasn't just food that was brought to the church to share with needy, uh, needy church members, but there was a great deal of money that was passing through that church. They were uh, church members that especially were wealthy were selling property, and they were bringing that money and laying it, the Bible says, at the apostles' feet in order to meet the church's needs. Do you remember that the church at Jerusalem was under heavy persecution? Because of their forsaking Judaism and turning to Christ, it was, it was hard for them to find work. They wouldn't be hired as Christians. You can't get hired, you can't earn money, you can't feed your family. So the church was meeting each other's needs. And so the requirement of the deacon was that they be godly men, that they be, uh, they be discerning men, men of wisdom, and especially, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Ghost. One commentator, his name's Philip Towner, he wrote a book, uh, a commentating book, 
on the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. He said this in this book, Today, candidates for leadership in the church are often measured by the sort of criteria applied in the corporate setting, where education, innovation, and a youthful, energetic image govern the professional profile. This is a power profile that, however applicable to corporate life, is drastically superficial and at odds with the kind of values that frame leadership in these texts, referring to Acts 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. What is he saying? He says, you're not looking for corporate people to be deacons at a church. You're looking for spiritually minded, spirit-filled men who are familiar with the word of God. And they can conduct themselves in a way that their testimony both inside the church and outside of the church points people to Jesus Christ and doesn't deter them. So don't confuse, don't confuse that. We served at a church for a little while. And um, we were there when the pastor resigned. And the church was calling a new pastor. And they received some bad counsel at the onset of that. Uh, I was too young in the ministry. I was not candidating for that church at all. But the, the pulpit committee received some poor counsel when they were calling the next pastor. And I think it's applicable because the, the similarities of the uh, qualifications for a pastor and for a, for a deacon, if you'll look at them, they, they run pretty close together. And that church was counseled to to look at a man who not only met, and this is how it was framed, not only meets these qualifications, but he's able to communicate with lawyers and bankers and this and that. Anytime someone comes to you and they have additional requirements other than the word of God, approach that slowly and skeptically. I would do that. Because if it were important for a pastor or a deacon to be able to communicate well with lawyers and bankers, I think God would have put that in there. It's his church. So be careful. I like what Mr. Towner says. That may work for the professional profile in the corporate world, but let's recognize that this is a spiritual office in a spiritual body, and that's the body of the church. So tonight we're going to conclude this series After the reasons and the requirements, let's talk tonight about the rewards of the Baptist deacon. The rewards of the Baptist deacon. When the right men are selected to serve, there are benefits that are gained. And not only by that deacon, but there are benefits to be found. So what do we expect to find? What kind of benefits can we look for if good godly men are elected to serve as deacons in a church? How does that benefit? Who does that benefit? Let's look at that tonight. Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 13. Well, let's, that's back at 12. Let's, let's go to verse number 12. That'll introduce the thought. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. And then here's, here, here it comes. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. There are two benefits listed there. And it says the deacon that uses this office well, he he gains some things. Later on, we're going to see what it does for the church. So let's tonight talk about the rewards 
of the church's deacons and start with this in this verse. Let's start with the rewards to the candidate. Let's start with the rewards to the candidate, the man who's going to be a deacon. When, when a man serves uh, as a deacon, like the Bible describes, he gains certain spiritual rewards from the Lord and from his church. Deacons are not compensated monetarily. We don't pay our deacons here. Uh, that's really not found in the scriptures. But the Lord does. The Lord pays them. The Lord blesses their faithful service with at least these two spiritual blessings that are mentioned here in verse number 13. First, that that deacon, the godly deacon, receives the blessing of spiritual promotion. Spiritual promotion. Did you see that phrase? That's an interesting phrase. They that have used the office of deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. That's not a college diploma. Uh, That's not their bachelor's or master's degree. But what does that mean? They purchase to themselves a good degree. That means that they purchase to themselves, they gain an excellent standing before the Lord and before their church. If they use the office right, they gain a good degree. They purchase to themselves an excellent standing. That literally means... In a good way, by the way, it literally means they will be exalted. And it means they'll be exalted in a... The reason I say that's in a good way is because God will do that exalting. Doesn't the scripture tell us he exalts those who serve in humility? Not just deacons. Christians across the board. That's why it's good for every one of us to obey the call in the New Testament of brothers and sisters in Christ to serve one another. Because those who serve in humility, the Bible says, God will exalt the faithful deacon serving the church in a manner that's consistent with the word of God. Not church policy, not cultural expectation, but when he serves like God expects him to, he will be exalted by God. That's what it means. He purchases unto himself a good degree. Now let me pause here and say this. That doesn't mean that men should think they deserve honor because of a title they hold. And that statement is a blanket statement no matter where you serve and what you do. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor, you're the deacon, you're the manager, or you're the CEO. You shouldn't think that you deserve honor simply because of a title that you hold. That, boy, that borderline's right there at arrogance and pride. We have to stay away from such thinking. And here's the truth. No man who is truly spiritually minded desires to be put on a pedestal. And yet God says, if you do it right, I'll put you on a pedestal. I'll exalt you if you do it right. And that's who you want doing that. If if you're going to be put on a pedestal, you want God putting you there. You don't want other people putting you there. And I'll tell you this. This is the truth. I try to say everything I say up here is the truth, but I'm saying this part, the same people that put you on a pedestal, they will kick that pedestal and watch you fall. You do not want people putting you on a pedestal. You want God doing, you want God doing that work. You want God doing the work of exaltation and honoring. So if these men are going to purchase a good degree because they've used the office well, let God do that work. 
A deacon ought to be exalted. He ought to be uh, receive this excellent standing, not because he demands it, but because he's deserved it. In that, he's done. He's used the office well, like it says. Here's what Scripture says: James chapter four and verse ten. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. There's God doing that exalting. First Peter chapter five and verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's the word exalt. God will do that in his time, but God will do that. Do you remember Jesus' example of those people that showed up? They, they showed up at the wedding party. Thank you for this water, whoever put it up here. Do you remember that, do you remember that Jesus gave this, this uh, example of a wedding party? And he said, what you don't want to do is show up at the, at the wedding party, the dinner party, and go take the chief seat. You remember that that whole story? That's a very, uh, some of that is comical because you can see it happening. Maybe you have, somebody goes and says, well, that looks like the seat where people can see me the best. I'm going to go sit up there. And then they do. And then the guy who's throwing the party comes to that person and says, well, actually, that's not your seat. Your seat's back over here. You know, row 27 seat L. Jesus said, it's better for you to go seat yourself at row 27 seat L, and then the Lord of the house comes to you and says, hey, that's not your seat. You're up here with my family. That's letting the Lord exalt in due time. There's nothing wrong with being put on a pedestal if God puts you there. If he chooses to exalt you as a godly deacon, as a teacher, as a servant, if God chooses to do that, and you gain the respect of your church family or you have the respect in your community, if God does that, let him do it. But let him do it in his time. Don't, don't be put on a pedestal by people. Let God do that. You get this spiritual promotion and you get it from God. And let me say this. A good deacon serves a church like that. And he has a heart for the glory of God. He deserves to be honored and respected. That's a man you can trust. And according to scripture, that's a couple you can trust. You ought to be able to trust the deacon and his wife in this. I get concerned about people who desire titles and want recognition. That's red flag to me. That's just, boy, there's lights and sirens going off and bells warning against the one who desires a title. Her theology is quite different than mine. But there was a man who was observing Mother Teresa one time. A lot of Mother Teresa's works were with lepers. Hands-on work, by the way. Leprosy is no different today than it was back in the day. There's still a contamination level involved there. She was doing work with lepers and, and bandaging wounds and things like that. And there was a man there who said, I wouldn't take a million dollars to do that. And just like that, she said, neither would I. Now, her theology is completely different than mine. I have no expectation of seeing her in heaven if she holds to the Roman Catholic faith. But she had it right when it came to serving. That's, that's a tremendous perspective for, for a person to say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing this for the money. A deacon doesn't do what he does. A deacon's wife doesn't do what she does for recognition and honor. They do it because they have a heart for the glory of God and a love for his church. So... So, first of all, the deacons who are willing to serve, and they do so correctly, 
God will give them spiritual promotion. They purchase to themselves this good degree. The second thing is mentioned there as well, not only spiritual promotion, but spiritual power. Did you see the second part of verse number 13? Great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. As he serves, as he continues to serve, God will strengthen his faith and broaden the effectiveness of the godly deacon. Spiritual power. His walk with the Lord grows as he serves others. You know why? Because he's acting more and more like Jesus Christ in serving others. Never let that picture of Jesus kneeling to wash the disciples' feet get very far from your mind or my mind. If you want to be like Jesus, you'll have a servant's heart. That was the whole picture of the gospel of Mark in Jesus. He's a servant, and the idea here is that he will grow to be more and more like Jesus. As this growth occurs... The deacon also, not not only his relationship with Christ, but his boldness. That word bold in, in verse number 13, great boldness in the faith. That word boldness is attacked, it's attached to his speech. He will boldly speak about the faith in Jesus Christ. There's this growth in him. Bold or frank speech. As a deacon grows in his ministry and his relationship with the Lord deepens, his words will carry weight because he has proven that his faith is real. It's genuine. And so he can confidently speak about this. In Acts chapter 6, verses uh, starting at verse number 6 and then going through chapter 8, you have two of the original deacons in the church being discussed. One is a man named Philip. The other is a man named Stephen. Both of them demonstrate this idea of spiritual power. You're familiar with both of them. The stories surrounding them in Scripture are great. Stephen witnessed for Jesus Christ, and you know he, he's the first New Testament, uh, of the, as far as the church went, he's the first one that was martyred for his, for his outspokenness for Christ, his great boldness in the faith. There he is preaching to the Jewish Sanhedrin, the men who literally had the life of power and death in their hands, and he's preaching to them about Jesus and his, boy, you ought to go back and read his message, pulled no punches. You killed Jesus of Nazareth. And they stoned Stephen for it. But he he demonstrated this spiritual power. He was one of the church's first deacons. Philip became a mighty evangelist. He's the man that we read about that that went and met that Ethiopian on the road, that Ethiopian eunuch, and told him that the, the, the person you're reading about there in the prophet Isaiah's book, that person is actually Jesus of Nazareth. And he leads that man to Christ. These two men served faithfully, and as a result, not only were they elevated to a place of honor, but they demonstrated great spiritual power And the deacon in a church ought to be a man who demonstrates spiritual power. Not human ingenuity or cleverness. But it ought to show up in him. So if you're selected to serve as a deacon at Faith Baptist Church, faithfully serve the Lord by serving others. And if you do that right, you reap these rewards. Spiritual promotion, the Lord will lift you up in due time. And spiritual power, that's the first thing. The the, the, the rewards... For the deacon or to the deacon himself. But there's other arenas 
where the rewards come when you have godly deacons in a church. The second arena is the rewards to the church. The church benefits by having godly deacons. Now would you turn back to Acts chapter number 6 in the New Testament? Acts chapter number 6. It's where we started talking about these deacons. And let's go, let's go back there. Not only do the deacons reap these benefits, but so does the church which they, they serve. In fact, I would say this. I would say the church is the greatest benefactor of godly deacons. The church body. The local church. They receive the greatest reward. How is the church benefited? First, I think the church is benefited in the area of peace. In the area of peace. Why did the deacon ministry come about back in Acts chapter 6? Do you remember? Because of conflict. There was a group of widows in the church that it's not that they felt like they were being neglected. They were. I don't think it was a racist thing, but the Grecian widows were being neglected in the church. There was a schism. There was a problem in the church. There was a disruption in the church's peace. And so the deacon, the deacon ministry comes about. They, the church was murmuring about these widows who were neglected. It is so, can I just say this? And some of you know this by experience, unfortunately. It is so easy to split a church. It just is. You know why? And I'm not kicking you in the shins tonight. I'm just saying we are selfish people. That's, and we struggle with pride. And it's just the truth. Churches will split over the absolutely dumbest things. And God, it's, he is so patient with us. I remember the former pastor here, his name was David Cross. I remember him telling me of a church that he knew of in East Tennessee. And I've referred to this before. He knew of a church that split over the purchase of toilet paper. That's embarrassing for a church. Somebody spent, because they could save money if they bought in bulk, somebody spent more than the monthly allotment in that church for bathroom tissue. And they got mad about it, and the church split. A church, by the way, that is supposed to represent to the lost world what Christ how Christ makes a difference in us. You've all heard of church business meetings where the police had to be called. What a lousy testimony in a church. You know how easy it is to split a church? It just takes someone who gets selfish or gets full of pride. And the next thing you know, that unity that Ephesians 4 talks about is trashed. That was going on in the Jerusalem church. The unity was in danger. And God's plan through the apostles, God's plan was, let's bring about some men that can oversee the needs of the ministry so the apostles can give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it worked out. The first area a church benefits, I believe, the first arena that it benefits in is in this area of peace. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 7. The Bible says when they came up with these men, in verse 6, they they set these men before the apostles. The apostles prayed, laid hands on them. Verse number 7, 
And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. When it was suggested to them that they look out these men, uh, this is the result of that. Look at verse number 5. The saying, the instruction to go get deacons, the saying pleased the whole multitude. Remember, there were thousands and thousands and thousands part of this Jerusalem church. And everybody was pleased with this. The peace came back. Somebody said this is the first and last time that peace was through the whole church. I don't know if that's true or not. But it is hard to please everybody in a church and keep that peace. We have enjoyed great unity in our church. And I'm thankful for it, and I certainly do not take it for granted. I know the heart of Satan toward the unity of any local church. So I don't take that for granted. We pray for it at our church. We pray God would protect us and the unity that we have here. Paul said there are wolves waiting to come in. After I depart in Ephesians, or in Ephesus rather, he tells them there are wolves waiting to come in after I leave. Don't ever take peace and unity in a church for granted. I I know there are some people in our church that won't be happy regardless of what we do here. I just assume that. There are people that think we invest way too much money in foreign missions. I, I know that we have church members that disagree with that. There are some that think we have too much money that we may we may save too much. They'll go the other way and say, well, you're saving too much money. They don't like the music at our church. I, I know that there are people in this church, a church this size, did you? Our auditorium was probably at least two thirds full this morning. There has to be somebody in that church this morning that doesn't agree with everything we do at Faith Baptist Church. Honestly, as your pastor, there are things that go on here I don't particularly care for. That's the truth. But I pray that God never lets my selfishness or my pride get in the way of that. Whether it's the pastor or a deacon or a church member, not everything is going to be made for you and me. There were songs. I I led the music here for 20-something years and led the choir. There are songs. I picked the choir songs. There are songs I led our choir to sing that I didn't particularly care for. But I know our church Our church body liked those songs. There are some things that are going to go on in this church, and you're not going to like them. You may not agree with them, but the church isn't about you, and the church is not about me. The church is about Christ. Protect the unity of the church. And when those deacons were elected uh, elected in that church in Jerusalem, peace came to that church. That's a blessing to a church. More than, more than a lot of people or a lot of money, unity in a church is something that Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, endeavor, work hard at protecting that unity. Because when it gets lost, it's hard to get back. So protect it. In the arena of peace, the church reaps a reward when they have the right deacons. You've heard that phrase before, you can please some of the people all the time. Remember that? President Lincoln gets credit for that. He stole it from an English monk and poet. That monk's name was John Lydgate, and I'm probably butchering it, but he said what you you have heard time and time again. 
You can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all of the people some of the time, but you cannot please all of the people all of the time. It just won't happen. Jesus couldn't do that. There were people that got displeased with Jesus. If that's true, there's no way we're going to do it. So how do we deal with that? We swallow our pride. We diminish our selfishness. And we look at what Christ wants to do. Overall, when a church family is served as they should be, there will be peace in the house of God. In the arena of peace, a church benefits from godly deacons. There's a second arena in the arena of preaching. Once the deacons were selected, the apostles had the time they needed to pray and study the word of God. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2 and verse 4 talks about just that. Because the apostles could pray and study the word of God like they should and prepare what they needed to prepare, the ministry of the word spread. Let's look at those verses. Look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 4. But we will give... you Get your deacons. Verse 3. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They did that and what happened? Verse 7 occurred. The word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. That's the number of people converted to Christ. It increased greatly, the Bible says, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. In the arena of preaching, the church is benefited when the pastor can do what he needs to do and the deacons are doing what they need to do. What happens when that happens? The word of God is multiplied. The number of disciples increased. As the preaching improved, the church grew spiritually and numerically. A church can have a pastor who tries to do everything in the church, or they can have a pastor who has time to give himself to things that a shepherd should give himself to. But you can't have both. As your pastor, I need time to seek God's face about what to preach to Faith Baptist Church. How do I get that time? By having six godly men like we currently have serving as deacons, who help in the work of the ministry, and I have the time for that. Having said all that, I want you to know that a pastor is a servant too. A pastor who never leaves his office is not worth much. There are times when the pastor has to leave and he has to serve. That word minister, I've been introduced before as minister. I really don't care for that word. It it sounds a little too high church for me. But at the end of the day, it's what I do. That word minister means, in the verb form, what does it mean? To serve. Um, I, I love the phrase pastor. That draws such a wonderful picture. I, uh, one of the pastors I worked for, he liked to be called preacher. That's part of pastoring, but that that phrase pastor that encompasses what God intended for a church to have. We have a bunch of preachers in our church. We do. And I thank God for every one of them. But in order for a pastor to do what he needs to do, the deacons step up, and we they do that here at Faith Baptist Church. I'm, I've said that to you before, publicly and personally. I tell our deacons, I appreciate their ministry. Thank God for a group of godly men and church members 
who serve the body of Christ. It's not just limited to our deacons, but I'm thankful our deacons do it. In the arena of peace, godly deacons are important in a church. And because of what they do in the arena of preaching, godly deacons are important in a church. And in the arena of people, godly deacons are important in a church. Church people were served, the word was preached, and the Bible says that the church grew. Now, be careful in it, where you put your emphasis in, a, in church growth. One of the things that led to church growth in the Jerusalem church in Acts 6, one of the things that led to church growth wasn't the fantastic preaching. It was the ministry of the deacons. That's what's being talked about in, a fee, in Acts chapter 6, rather. That's what's being talked about here is the ministry of the deacons. And when it was right and when it was functioning what it should be in the church, the Bible says in verse 7, as a result of the first six verses and what we've been talking about in verse 7, the word of God was multiplied and the, the number of disciples greatly increased. Why? Because the deacons went to work in this church where they didn't have any before. And the result was the church started functioning like it should. Word got out in the city of Jerusalem of what was happening in that church. Here's a group of people that care for one another. Here's a group of people that restructured the leadership of a church so that the church members could have their needs met. Where they didn't have deacons before, now they do. One writer said that love was the calling card of the first century church in this. And John 13 says, this is how people are going to know you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. And the heart of a deacon is motivated by love, love for the Lord Jesus Christ and love for his church. People want to be cared for, and when they are, they'll tell others about it. You, you love your church, you'll invite people to it. If you're tolerating your church, you're looking for the door. And here they loved what was happening. The word of God was preached. People had their needs met. Their physical needs were being met. And God grew that church as a result of it. They matured. They were sent out into the community. They witnessed for Christ. It's not stretching to say this, to make this statement. The capacity for ministry in the church was greatly expanded when they chose godly deacons to serve the people. That's not a stretch to say that. Verse 7 is tied to the institution of, of, of deacons in a church. Verse, what happens in verse 7 is a result of the previous actions. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm just saying that one of the things that help a church grow is the effective ministry of godly deacons in a church. These same benefits come to the church that is best blessed with good godly deacons today. And this is how it happens. There's the rewards to the candidate, the deacon himself. There's the reward to the church. And then I want you to see that having the right deacons in a church, there's, there are the rewards of the community. Would you notice the last phrase? It's bigger than we realize. The last phrase of verse number 7, Acts 6, the last phrase of verse 7. That's a... That's a big statement right there. These were the people that had been calling for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says 
When this church began functioning like it should, the apostles are giving themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The deacons are seeking to serve. Their wives are seeking to serve. When this started happening and needs were being met, the church grew. It says in verse number 7, the word of God increased. As a result of that, the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Jewish priests who were tied to the law, who still thought the Holy of Holies meant something, even though it no longer did, who thought the blood of bulls and goats were what God was after. Those priests, when they saw what was going on in the church, were converted to Christ. They were converted to the faith. The deacons are rewarded, yes. The church is rewarded, but the, but the community itself was. First of all, I want you to see sinners were converted. That's what we're talking about. Now, again, I, this is not a stretch to tie what is going on to the, the office of the deacon here. This is why it was so important that these men that they sought out were men who were honest, uh, of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. It was vital. And the result was that people started being saved. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. This is one of the things that led to people being saved in a church. It's not the only thing. There are a lot of things throughout, especially in the book of Acts, there are several things that talk about the number of disciples increasing or people being saved. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, it was the street preaching of the apostles. They were out preaching on street corners and people were being saved. That was the result of the day of Pentecost. They weren't gathered as a church in a building somewhere on the day of Pentecost. Peter's out there preaching. And the next thing you know, 3,000 people were added to the church. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, it was the street preaching of the apostles. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it was the working of signs and and wonders. It was Paul's testimony. Or excuse me, in Acts 5, 14, it was the the working of signs and wonders. In Acts 9, 31, Paul gave his testimony and people were converted. That's the power of your testimony, by the way, if you share it with people. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 42, it was the miraculous raising of the dead of this woman named Dorcas who had died, a faithful woman in this church, and she died, and she was raised back. All of these things led to people being saved, but one of the things that led to people being saved in Acts chapter 6 was the effective ministry of godly deacons. And the Bible says that there were a great number, a great multitude uh, added here. We were just talking about this in our deacons and officers meeting a a moment ago, but it was already in my sermon notes, and here it is. Genuine church growth is up to the Lord. It's his church to build, but the physical needs of the body of a church is met through the workings of people serving in that ministry. The church is going to be blessed when it's led by the right kind of servant leadership. And one thing happens is that that sinners are converted. The second thing that happens is society is changed, and that's where you get into the great company of priests being saved. Society is changed. You remember that for the Jew, the temple worship was woven into the fabric of the Jewish society. Everything revolved, for the Jew, everything revolved about what took place at the temple. 
society was changed when these priests started being saved. The ministry, get that, the ministry of the deacons in a church led to the outreach of the church making inroads into the community. Will electing deacons change Jefferson County and the surrounding areas? Only God knows that. But it did in the first church. The first time deacons were elected in a church, it made a difference in their community. We live in an area where sometimes the office of deacon is misconstrued. Deacons were never meant to rule. They were always called to serve. And in our community, that, that, that concept is distorted. But I think we ought to always come back to what does the Bible say that these men are to be about. And in this first in this first century church, when the deacons, when the right deacons were elected, it changed the society. People will come and see what's going on. I was so encouraged this morning to see the number of people here. Can I tell you, when I walked in that door, and Brother Jeff was already leading singing, when I came in last night, or tonight, I was encouraged to see the number of people here tonight. It was a good crowd for Sunday night. I, people will come to see a church that is functioning the way God wants it to function. And may that always be found at Faith Baptist. And if it is, that's not because of you or me. That's because of the Lord Jesus Christ being the head of the church. When we start thinking, well, we're doing something pretty good here, that unity is going to go out the door. God's hand of blessing is going to go out the door because it's not us, it's Christ. Our heart has to be this servant's heart. People will come to see that. So here's the thought here. When the deacons meet the physical needs of a church, the ministry of the word can grow. That has the potential to change the world. Don't lessen, don't lessen the office of a deacon. Don't approach December 17th. When we elect our deacons in the Sunday morning service on December 17th, don't approach that flippantly. Don't be flippant about who you nominate. Now, nominate somebody. You guys got to start turning those nominations in. But don't be flippant about it. Pray about it. Because the potential for godly deacons in a church is wonderful. God blesses that church that searches for those men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Use the biblical requirements we talked about last week to nominate and elect these men. Is the, the men we elect, I wrote this as, a, as to get into my conclusion here, all right? The men that we'll soon elect as deacons will make a difference in our church, and I'm confident their ministry will enable our church to make a difference in this community. Is that their primary purpose? No. The primary purpose of a deacon is to serve, but the consequential result of that deacon can have a great impact not only in our church but in our community. It's, this is just how God works. So those are the rewards of a godly deacon. When God's will is honored in, in the election of a deacon, these are the rewards. They come not only to the deacon himself as the candidate, but they also come to the church where I think it's most clearly evident. And they also come to the community. The deacons can expect their own faith to grow if they faithfully serve. They can anticipate God using them for his glory to serve 
the church family, and to be a blessing to God's people. They can anticipate these rewards. Church, you can anticipate these rewards. If we'll seek God's face about who we elect to serve here, we're blessed at Faith Baptist Church. I'm not saying this to puff anybody up because that goes against everything that ought to take place in a church. But I'm just reminding you how blessed we are that we have a number of men qualified to serve as deacons in a church where that's not, that's not always the case. Some churches have a hard time finding men who are qualified to be deacons. We have several who are qualified. As we are even now nominating men to serve in this particular office, and we're going to elect two deacons on December 17th, what I, want, what I want to do tonight, and I want to invite you to do this, all who are able, I want you to come tonight to the altar and pray that God will give us the deacons. I, I think this is important. I think who, who serves in a church is important to that church. I've seen a church where the wrong pastor got called to that church. You say, well, well God wasn't in charge, not in that church. There were a group of men who were looking for things that were extra biblical qualifications and it cost them. And they floundered for a year with that pastor. And then when that pastor finally left, it took them a year and a half more. And the church just struggled and suffered and lost until they finally got God's man in there. They went back to the biblical qualifications for a pastor. And those same truths are evident when it comes to deacons. So I'd like to call our church to prayer tonight. If you're able, I'd like you to come to the altar and pray that God would give us the deacons that we, that we need, that he wants to serve here. I also would invite you to come and while you pray, pray that God would make you, man or woman, deacon or not, Pray that God would make you the servant that you ought to be. Because you don't have to have a title to serve. I, it must please the heart of God when he looks into a church family and he, he sees people who, they're not trying to outdo each other in attention getting or in praise. or They're trying to outdo each other in their service to other people. What, what a heart that is. So I'd like to close our service tonight by inviting you to come as a church family to pray for the election that we're going to have in two weeks for our deacons, two deacons and ten officers. And I want you to pray and then make this a matter of prayer for God to, God to give us the, the, the help that we need in this ministry so that he can continue to do at Faith Baptist Church what pleases him most and that he'll give us hearts to please him through that. All right? Let's stand together. If you're able, I'd like you to come and kneel at this altar or kneel on these front rows and pray about these things. Pray about the men we're going to elect at deacons. You can step out right now. Pray about this, that God would give us who he wants us to have at Faith Baptist Church and that God would make us, he would make us the leaders and the servants that we should be. And then in a few moments... I'm going to ask Brother Terry. I lost him. In a few moments, I'm going to ask Brother Terry to come, and he's going to close out our service in prayer. He's one of the deacons that's rotating off this year and has served as a biblical deacon for the last six years, and he's rotating off this year. 
And I'm going to ask him to close our service in prayer that God would give us the men that we need to serve in this capacity. All right? Let's bow our heads together and you pray and ask God to do this. And then a few moments, Brother Terry, you come and close us out in prayer. And that will be our dismissal tonight, okay? Thank you.